0: Hi! Welcome to the first episode of The Bomb Squad Podcast. I am uh, your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Craft. I am a uh, director, writer, actor, producer, and uh, all kinds of uh, shit poster in the St. Louis area. And with me
1: I have... Uh, Hi, I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm a uh, video artist and post-production guy from the St. Louis area. My name's Joseph Rannick. I'm that guy with the purple stuff, and I am a writer-director from the Omaha area, uh, hopefully soon to be the St. Louis area, pending how
2: graduation goes. Uh, I am Tim M. Sullivan, uh, director of horror short The Other Side, and documentary short The Damage of BSL, and comedy short Cheddar Goblin, or that's not the name of it, Forging the Goblin. I made it. I don't even know the name, but <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm a I'm mainly a post production guy, I'm doing some
1: camera stuff as well. And we all like long walks on the beach. True. That's true. We are we are gay. That's a given. We are a polyamorous couple. We all live in a house together. We each have a cat. <laughs> we are it's, sleeping with each other. It's a podcast
2: with four white guys. The
0: twist is that <laughs> we're gay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at least at least two of us are. Uh, what are we What are we talking about today, Tanner?
0: We are talking about the newest hit Disney Plus show to be sweeping the nation in our first piece of MCU content
1: in over a year, WandaVision. Wait, WandaVision? I thought this was a podcast on The Mandalorian. You lied to me, t And t-shirt.
0: you're banned. You, you're you banned. lied
1: to me, <laughs> you fucking banned. son of a bitch. Yeah, we're talking about the first four episodes of WandaVision.
0: A show that I was very excited for. What what about you guys? What were your guys's uh, levels of hype before watching the show? Joe, I know you weren't super intrigued, but what about the rest of you?
2: I mean, basically the same. I it wasn't something that I was super hyped about. I, I'm at this point, I'm more or less done with MCU stuff beyond like a couple of the weirder ones. Like I'm I'm excited for the new Doctor Strange. Sam Raimi's directing, so hell yeah um and like a couple other ones but i'm mostly done so this was something that i wasn't really super interested in initially but i gave the first two episodes a shot after rewatching star wars and dealing with the shitty last one um <laughs> but yeah it, it was it's interesting it's more surreal than a lot of the mcu stuff so that was something that uh grabbed my interest.
1: I I used to make jokes about this when they when they just did the lineup, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh Loki, uh, what if, and and this Wandavision, just the title itself floating out in space seemed like the dumbest fucking thing ever. And I I would just be like, oh yeah, you excited for Wandavision? You know, with a little shitty and grin on. And uh you know, I, I think the MCU does this thing where they they drop a couple of trailers and the first trailer they always drop is the opposite of what enticing is. It looks like garbage. And then the second trailer they drop is a normal trailer that makes it look kind of interesting. And uh, I think they dropped both of the uh, the first two episodes on the same day. And after watching those, I, w- I was fully fucking hooked. The shit was awesome.
0: Uh, <clears throat> I was excited. I was expecting it to be weird. But it was weird in ways I wasn't expecting. There was a... Uh, uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I, w- I was hoping we could do this episode by episode, but it was almost
1: Lynchian
0: at times.
1: Yes, in fact, I, I I think when when it first when those elements started to first like crop up, I was like I was like live tweeting, messaging you, Tanner, just like yeah. It, 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 isn't this kind of like a little David Lynchian a little bit? Because uh, what was the first like big? Oh, it was uh, Cy Abelman from A Serious Man just starts choking, and then the mom from that 70s show just keeps going, Stop it. Stop it. it." Do better. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. Get some help.
0: Guess we'll just uh, get right into it then, talking about uh, the first episode. Filmed before a live studio audience, which at first I thought was just a play on it being a sitcom, but then I found out the first episode was actually filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hell
1: yeah. Yeah, thank God Paul Bettany is really leaky about the production of the show. We learned a whole lot just from a couple of Paul Bettany interviews.
0: He's just like, yeah, and then I, I did this, and now uh, Kevin Feige's on screen with a sniper rifle.
1: <laughs> I mean, he already took out Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland. Kevin Feige, is legally, Kevin Feige is legally allowed to murder people in the state of California. He's got a very limited version of the James Bond license.
0: Bob Iger gave him a license to kill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can he use it to kill Bob Iger?
0: Yeah, I guess let's just start off with our overarching thoughts. What did you guys think of the first episode of WandaVision?
1: Uh, I, I'll, I'll go first. So, I mean, I didn't really get to speak my thoughts on how uh, quote-unquote anticipated I was for this, but I, I, I went into this having next door to zero interest in it. Cause kind of like Tim, I I am really done with the MCU. So going into this, zero expectation. It was all right. That that I, I, I on I was revisiting it like earlier today. Even I I don't have too much to say about it. Other than it's like oh, it's uh, it's this nice little homage to like I Love Lucy, and also just Paul Bettany is. Hamming it the fuck up the entire god. Yeah, can we talk about Paul Bettany in this? He's a god. He's he a god. What a man. This dude having like almost zero emotion to this character in, uh, well, I wouldn't say zero emotion, but emotionally reserved throughout like the MCU. It's like finally he gets to like perk up and like just be wacky. He was very sparse in the movies, and this kind of gives him a playground to run around on.
0: Yeah, uh, Vision, uh, Vision in the comics is best when he's a little goofy. So when I saw he was a little goofy right off the bat, I was like, yes, beautiful, thank you.
1: Yeah, if there's anyone who's going to intimidate the shit out of you and turn your home life into chaos, it's, uh, it's Cy Abelman. Fred Malamid has to be just fucking terrifying as your boss. Also, I, I, I love that Vision um, in the first episode. He, where I, there, I listened to the, these people who make a joke because they, they went to Germany one time. And uh, they talk about how everyone in Germany works at the paperwork factory. Just, uh, they all have fake jobs creating more paperwork. And um, that's, that's actually where Vision works. He, he tries to figure out what they do at his job and they just keep feeding him lines, uh, just bullshit lines about nothing. Just do <laughs> math,
0: just do math. You're doing computations.
1: It, they They make computation forms to analyze the input and output, and no one will tell him what the company makes it's It's just absolutely brilliant and then Wanda thinks it's like time to get sexy or something, which leads to uh you know classic classic uh fifty show shenanigans. she's in a nightgown, and the dinner party's here and
0: to be fair, what kind of idiot uses a drawing of a heart to indicate that your boss? The hearts are coming over. Like, <laughs> Tim, Tim, what did you think of the episode? Overall? I
2: mean, yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, yeah, basically what Joe was saying. Like, I, I, I think, like, like, I, I haven't really watched a lot of sitcoms recently, but like, I remember as a kid watching stuff like that. So it's kind of a throwback to that kind of humor. Like, like, I would watch friends as a kid and it's similar, I guess. I I didn't really watch a lot of like 50s, 60s era sitcoms. Um, Yeah. Like that, that little aspect of it was kind of funny and familiar. And then when it started to turn into something a little bit uh, darker, more Lynchian, uh, that, that was, that was something that I thought was interesting. I think it's a good blend of the two worlds
1: that's honestly kind of when i began to perk up with the show is when that particular moment uh of like david lynch style quote-unquote terror like what i was talking about her that, that's kind of what piqued my interest because a- a- as fun as the homage to like 50s sitcoms was it did kind of start to weigh a little bit thin after a while,
2: yeah, I think if that was, um, I think that was the whole show. It would have gotten old, but oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think it. I think it's a nice blend. Like you start the first episode with a lot of that and a little bit of a hint at the weirdness behind the curtain, and then episode two you start to see a little bit more, and episode three even more, and we'll get more into that
1: later. Everybody's gangsta until they switch from a multi-cam setup to a single-cam setup.
0: Yo, and I loved that. That was one of the things I really loved was, like, when things started to get weird, the filming style
1: changed. Yeah. Yes. And I was did. like,
0: oh, oh, this isn't a sitcom. I mean, this is... It, it, it's an effective filmmaking technique. It really is. I, I thought, because it immediately lets you know that something's wrong here.
1: I think something's wrong here, that. This shit has some uh, really, really notable production value. It's it's weird. I I know Marvel did uh, that shit that I don't watch. What is it? Agents of Shield, that TV show my yes. my parents watch.
2: Fuck you, that show's good. I watched like three seasons and like four episodes of season four. Like there was a period of time where I was like really trying to get into the canon, and then I was just like, I don't have time for this shit anymore.
1: I I watched a. I watched like a full season of it because I was still in high school and had like all the time in the world. And then I watched half of season two and I just kind of stopped after that because, well, I had dropped out of community college and all of a sudden I don't have any time on my hands anymore. It was like
2: that and i was also watching like all of the cw dc shows at the time and once it got to be like four fucking shows it's like this is too much <laughs> just give me just give me flash and green arrow that's all i want
1: <laughs> i i got a thing that separates wandavision from all of those shows and that is 25 million dollars an episode
0: and it fucking shows it looks incredible it does truly yeah. Uh, They pulled no stops. Fun fact about the grayscale episodes. Vision, Paul Bentany is painted blue because it better reflects on the grayscale. Hmm. That's how far they went to commit to make it look good.
1: They, uh, yeah, they apparently had three cameras around for uh, that day of filming. They went really balls to the walls filming this thing. Do do you know who filmed this? uh, I think just maybe this episode or the whole series. I I didn't get to check. It's actually
0: the cinematographer is uh, Jess Hall. So fun fact about this, I've noticed every episode is directed by the same episode, same person and shot by the same person. It's very different from the Mandalorian.
1: I want to hear Joe react to specifically what Jess Hall did. Jess Hall is the cinematographer who did Hot Fuzz. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Well, that's yeah, um, it, it kind of shows because Hot Fuzz is a good looking movie and WandaVision looks really good. So. They also, throughout the course of the show, used 47 different camera lenses to try to make it look authentic to the periods they were filming in. So they had, like, these cr- this crazy amount of camera lenses, and some of them were custom modified to try to give the looks from back in the day. They they really, like, have Disney resources for this.
2: It's almost like it was made by Disney.
1: It, it's, it's bittersweet because Disney is, like, this hegemony fucking titanic force that keeps absorbing everything and what we get essentially out of watching them like crush the media world into the singularity is this tv show that's going to be nine episodes and each one costs more than like a real like a a, a high high budget indie movie like these it's like a bunch of blumhouse movie budgets high Blumhouse budget mo- or Blumhouse movie budgets I I, I kind of love it. It's, it I haven't seen shit like this on TV I mean was this what it felt like back when people used to watch Battlestar Galactica back when they were spending a million dollars per episode I, I have to
0: think each time the budget escalates it, it feels like and, and it shows the line between television and film blurs more and more as the years go on hell you could argue there really isn't one anymore uh, I wouldn't, but it, it it it's intriguing how this is, from what I understand, the most expensive TV show per episode in the history
1: of television. Fuck.
2: After Game of Thrones, that's yeah. pretty shocking.
1: Well, uh, the director of this, uh, Matt Shakeman... I'm gonna call him Matt Shakeman instead of Shackman or however <laughs> you're supposed to say it. Uh, Matt Shake, uh, Matt Shakeman. Hey, Shakman. He. Yeah. Shakman, what'd you do to my freaking car? <laughs> <laughs> uh Matt Shakeman he uh he 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 is like a theater director. He founded the Black Dahlia Theater in LA, but he's also done like every TV show you could ever possibly want to work on. He did Succession, Mad Men, 6 Feet Under, The Boys, Fargo, and Game of Thrones. And I think that last one is why Disney would trust him with the 25 million dollar per episode series because he he got in when Game of Thrones was getting kind of close to that number for their later season episodes.
2: Yeah, like, the the final season was, like, big, like, feature-length episodes. And they were, like, big, epic spectacles. So I would imagine they were very expensive.
1: And they sucked. I I remember there was this one episode where everything was dark. And uh, I, I can't remember which episode of the last season it is.
2: The, the Long Night. Thank <laughs> hit, you. Hit film by Devin Dillon.
1: By Devin, by Devin Dillon. People were complaining about how that looked like shit. And I think it was because the filmmakers expect they, they made the classic mistake where they thought that people would have a, a higher bit rate copy of this eventually and they, they graded and made it look really good probably on very expensive TVs watching a blu-ray
2: see like it looked fine on my TV and then I saw all the complaints online and I was like oh
0: like you I think I think you had to have like a high end TV for that episode to look good because you know they color corrected that shit on like a monitor that has like 3 billion
1: colors or whatever that, that's how much money they were working with. They, they went full angle. And
0: angly. this show is working with more.
1: I, I I absolutely love it because you've got to imagine that uh, that money is uh, part of what goes into them being able to go over all the decades they're going to cover. Like, they're just allowed to switch up the set completely anytime and the whole neighborhood around the house. And that's that's a lot of freedom.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of creative freedom, and I really appreciate it. Um and I, I the first episode was largely just more sitcomy until the very end but the second episode i think is when they start kicking the weird shit into high gear um before we get there just my overall thoughts on the first episode was i really liked it hooked me instantly that scene that joe brought up earlier where the guy starts choking and then that woman that woman from that 70s show she didn't even change her pronunciation or not a pronunciation but like her enunciation that much but it goes from being like oh stop it you silly goose to stop it he's dying without really changing the enunciation it was such a creepy moment like oh she changed it, her it, inflection as what you trying to say yeah like but barely because it was so subtle and it, it shivers
1: i i completely agree with joe uh after the first episode watching this I, I, ma- I made a, a pact with myself that as long as they kept doing shit like that sequence, that was what I was watching these for. Like, I dragged a few people into my house the rest of that week just to show them the episode and patiently wait for that moment that Cy Abelman was choking on whatever the fuck he was eating. Because it, it's like Disney doing too many cooks. It's a really fun thing I never thought would happen. It's a Trojan horse meant to put creepy shit inside. And that is, like, some of my favorite stuff in media. I wasn't thinking about too many cooks now, but goddamn, it's a great comparison. though. Yeah.
2: No. quite interesting. It's, it's even like a sitcom theme.
1: It, it is a good comparison, yeah. And uh, uh, the, the I think Shake Man said that the spiritual like cousins of WandaVision are Pleasantville and the Truman Show.
0: It, it's just it's fantastic, honestly. And um, I re- the, the the Truman Show comparisons and the Pleasantville comparisons. Really ring true. Uh, the Truman Show is like my second favorite movie ever. It, Pleasantville is a really great movie too. It it shows um, more show the more so the Pleasantville than the Truman Show, but still.
1: Yeah, they actually got Russell Bobbitt, the prop designer from Pleasantville, to work on this. Yo, that's
0: sick as hell, man.
1: Disney money. Oh, I guess fun fact here. While I'm at it, because I was curious, both Pleasantville and Truman Show released the same year.
2: I haven't seen Pleasantville, but I like Truman Show a lot.
0: It's impressive, and there's a and there's a lot of that here. Oh, I oh I forgot to bring this up. The commercial. Yes. Did you notice the one instance of color in the first episode?
1: It's on the toaster.
2: Yeah, I noticed that too.
1: I I did not notice it on my first initial watch, but I when I watched it before we started this podcast, I, I actually had to go back and cur- like actually make sure that. What I was seeing was true. Yeah. And I I was honestly a little shocked. And I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of... For for a second, I actually thought it was, like, a continuity error. Not going to lie.
2: We're going to rotoscope
1: this one area of red as a continuity error. (laughs) I was going to say, it's like how later in, like, episode three of this show, it's like part of Paul Bettany isn't, like, painted, uh, like, under his, like, sleeve or whatever.
0: But yeah, so fun fact about that. Did you guys also notice that the sound of Iron Man's repulsor starting up plays when the toaster starts up? Set the dial and get the taste back into your toast.
1: I did not notice that. Yes, I did notice that, actually.
0: This reminds me of the theory that people generally have about what those commercials are, that they're representations of Wanda's trauma. Because remember that she was stuck in that building with a Stark Industries missile for days?
1: Oh, shit. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna come into play in the next episode. But yeah, yes. But um, yeah, it's like when you when you think about the history of this character, it's you, you kind of start to notice that these are like representations of like past traumas that she's had. Do you, uh, do do you three think that it was important that they release the? Because uh, because sometimes TV shows do this like. Uh, the finale of Mr. Robot, they released two at the same time. Do you think it was important they released the first two episodes on the same day, the rollout? Um. Yes.
0: Yes, because I don't think there was quite enough in the first yeah. one I, to really hook you in, but the two of them combined, I think it was good.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the first one, it really, it's it's that slow start and then the hook at the end. So I think it is It did help to have the second one right at the same time to watch right after. Because after you watch that first one, you're like, whoa, I need more.
1: Honestly, I think if they had not released that second episode at the same time as uh, episode one, I probably would have just kind of just skipped it and just watched it at my own pace. I fully agree with that. I would have done the same damn thing.
0: Like, I was going to watch it every week on release because I'm just the MCU super fan at this point, but, um, it definitely helped pull in the more casual fans. I thought.
2: Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm generally on board with, um, the week by week thing. I think when you drop a whole season in one day, it just doesn't have the same effect and you don't properly digest what's happening. But in this case, in this case, I do think it helps to have, uh, The first two episodes in one drop and then just kind of do one a week after that
0: are are you ready for this are y'all ready for this i fucking hate the binging model i hate it i think it is horrible i think it is one of the worst things to happen to the art form of television i hate 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 the binge model and i will never forgive netflix for creating
1: it so, I have two uh, little tidbits about that um the binging model firstly fun fact that's gonna be what my next experimental shorts about the uh, the binging model um Better and be talking shit yeah, oh absolutely yes, um good, but uh kind of kind of to go on uh what like Tim was talking about it's like i, I in certain cases, I prefer the the week by week like um original style of like television where it's like every like week one, once per week you get like an episode or whatever um i i really like it in in certain cases for like certain types of shows like like say for example if they had dropped the return twin peaks um if they had dropped all of that in a week oh. that would be way too it would suck so bad because yeah the the episodes are like one hour long and it's weird david lynch shit so it's like you're gonna want to digest it and not just go on to uh the next one immediately after
2: yeah no you you can't you can't do that now
1: now now some now something like um fuck it the boys it's like if you dropped that all um the boys did a hybrid they did cuz it's like they started off where they just dropped like the whole uh series at once with their first season and then the second season they did like a week for week thing and people complained about that um losers well they dropped the first 3 at once yes i i kind of understand it um but at the same time the boys isn't like entirely thought provoking art I mean, it it it's a smart show, but it, it's also just crazy, over the top violence. To just give just give it all to me at once, please. And yet, people still don't get it.
2: I think the only time that like a streaming service uh, did their whole season drop, and I actually binged the whole thing in one day, was uh, BoJack Horseman season two, which, like, I, I feel like I'm more or less. Uh, still like remember most of that season. But at the same time, it, it definitely, I, I kind of regretted it afterwards because now I'm like, shit, I don't have anything else to watch.
0: Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. And I understand the reason why Disney Plus is doing it is largely because it keeps you subscribed longer. But for me, it's just if you drop your entire goddamn season at once, what's the fucking difference between a, a television a, a season of a TV show and a long movie. What's the actual difference?
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. It, 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 and that, that's usually what Netflix, I think, it does. It basically paces their seasons out as a long movie cut into our long segments, which it kind of hurts it in like the pacing. Like it, it, it doesn't really feel like natural beginnings and ends as much
0: as earlier shows no it doesn't and uh, austin what are your thoughts
1: i i think it depends on the type of show maybe if it's an adventure show like stranger things where the emphasis is more on action and stuff uh then maybe you could drop it all at once uh i i think that they have a guy who who like lives in california and he acts as like a human geiger counter and he detects whether or not there will be subreddits formed from a show where they will pick apart the frames and try to figure out what next season, the, the next uh, week's episode is going to be about based on what type of breakfast food they were eating or what vague comments are made in the background. And if if that guy decides that your show will will have a subreddit formed around it, then you are allowed to not release it streaming. He's kind of a a high roller in town. He's the guy you have to impress. People who didn't want their shows to be streaming didn't impress that guy. And bam, 12 hours of content worked on over two years, released all at once, like a glorious smooth orb of content just for people to swallow down and not think about. He's a a menace and he needs to be stopped.
0: For me, it just ruins discussion. Yeah, exactly. And also, if, if you don't watch it all at once, you better be damn fucking careful on the internet. Right.
1: Oh, pretty much. Yeah, the meta of it really fucking sucks because you'll... There's always going to be those absolute psychos who can go just like... That, like, they're ready right when, right, right when it launches, and then they've got 12 hours of nothing to do. I don't
2: have a job. I have a trust fund. I can watch all the TV I
1: want. <laughs> exactly. Right when you're waking up to watch Stranger Things season four, they drop a fucking meme about not o- not only is that that bearded Hopper dude back, but in the last episode he's broad dogging Winona Ryder, and you're like, I wanted to get there <laughs> myself. <laughs> well, it's about damn time. It's actually not their characters. It's just that
0: it's just they actually started having sex on set and they filmed. Hey,
1: that happened in Mayhem. To be fair, if they just dropped season four of Stranger Things all at once, I wouldn't complain because I just want that fucking show to be over with. Every time I watch it, it's like I'm doing a favor for all the other people that I interact with. Like, I know we're all being forced to be dragged through this. So I'm just like, all right, I'll do this to be nice to everybody. I want to be a team player, so but I,
2: I I don't like it. I only got halfway through season three.
0: I uh, I still haven't seen season three.
1: <laughs> don't.
2: I only got halfway. Don't.
1: I, 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 I've said this before many a times on Facebook, but season three of stranger things broke my fucking heart because it just became exactly what I had feared it would become after that incredible first season. It was like, okay, well, they, they told a really nice little mini series. They don't really need to continue on with these characters afterwards. They've wrapped up their arcs, nice little ending. And they have like the little tease at the end that could just be, a little whatever, kind of, you know, kind of like uh, an ominous ending for like a horror short. You don't really go into it afterwards. It just, you leave it in there and you feel creepy at the end. But then they continued with the characters when I really think that show should have gone on as an anthology series. Um, that would have been cool. They just had like, like they had the upside down still, like you could explore more with that, but it was with different characters. Actually,
0: you, you know what, Joe? What? I hate to do this, but we still haven't even moved on to
1: episode two. <laughs> we 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 went from binge wa- we went from one division to binge watching to now me complaining about Stranger Things. You're right. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry to cut
0: you off. I'm really sorry to cut you off, but I'm cutting you off because I, I want us to stay
1: yes. the pace here. I'm yes. so sorry. Uh, we'll save this for another podcast. For the record, yeah. I thought all of Maybe that the was stranger, fucking awesome. The Stranger cast. Awesome. Thank you.
0: No, I agree. I, I'm sure I'd agree with you, Joe. That's why I'm not even bothered watching. Uh, it's just I let's move on to episode two yes let's actually stay on topic we all liked episode one yes 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 Yes. Uh, so let's move on to episode two which is so far my second favorite episode of the show so far out of four um (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: what a high bar yeah yeah don't touch that dial is yeah probably my second favorite but that's that's because of. how I feel about the other episodes. I I like don't touch that dial a lot.
0: Yeah. No, it's fun. And I like, I like how they started slowly, like pushing all this weirdness, like with the helicopter that she finds or the radio broadcast cutting in or the fucking beekeeper.
1: (laughs) Oh, the Uh, beekeeper. One of my notes from my first watching of this episode is fucking Dobby. Just, just those words. Uh, that bitch. Fucking Dottie. There, there's a fun little meta story about how fucking Dottie got in this show. So uh, this the show was created by this lady named Jack Schaefer. And in 2009, she did a sci-fi rom-com called Timer, where the I is lowercase and all the other letters are uppercase. Uh, she was a co-writer of Captain Marvel and Black Widow. Uh, the Captain Marvel bit will make more sense in episode four. That ties into something. But the star of Timer is actually the, the the actress who plays Dottie in this episode. So that's how she found her way into the bubble, uh, in our reality at least. It's, it's like a, a, a very good friend of the person who created the show.
0: That's cool. I love nepotism.
1: Hell yeah. It's like how James Gunn just brings all of his friends to just everything that he does, sort of. <laughs> just like that. That'd be me too. Just, just random, like uh... That, that is you. This is the bomb squad. I mean, Wes Anderson and Adam Sandler do that. I am the bomb squad. Wes, Wes, Anderson, Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler especially. Jesus Christ. Adam Sandler makes movies so he can
0: go on vacations with his friends. He
1: goes on vacations with his friends, and he gives Rob Schneider and David Spade penny money because the fuck are those guys doing now? hiring them? Hey, I think making copies is funny. I thought I, th- I have a biodome poster in my room, in my
0: room. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I really like this episode. I also this is uh, I don't know, it's probably just me, but the sitcom parts of the show actually really, really work for me. uh, I often find myself laughing my ass off that entire last bit with the magic show was really fucking funny to me,
1: yeah, um I mean i'll probably save this for when we talk about episode three because i kind of have some thoughts about how they structured the first three episodes but uh my like minor complaints about it aside they are they are all like very well like executed well-structured like um sitcom homages and like Like, they're unironically good sitcoms it's great yeah absolutely um, and, like, the, the writing specifically in, like, the comedy um, for, like, each episode's actually pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, specifically the magic show, because, yeah, um, watching Paul Bettany just, like, drunkenly stumble throughout, like, an entire magic show. And Elizabeth Olsen trying to just uh, control the absolute chaos that he's bringing. <laughs> it, wow. it, it, it's, pre- it's pretty good stuff. I was happy that we made it to the 60s, which they uh, cleverly show by the beds being pushed together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I did like that. that touch. Good I, 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 I think that only like real sickos and grandmas like uh, any of the like 50 sitcoms. I, I don't I don't even I don't even like the Dick Van Dyke show. If it comes on, I am. I assume I'm in a hospital visiting a family member. Wait, wait, wait. What about I Love Lucy? Well, yeah, I, I kind of I Love Lucy's good. But I, I'm more excited as time it's goes on. It's the one, it's the one, but... <laughs> I, I, have a lot, I have more fondness for television that was created farther away from Joseph McCarthy being a thing. And so as we get like more into the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, I will gradually like the things they're parodying more. And uh, really, they just needed to step out of the 50s and into the 60s for me to be a lot happier with the style of sitcom they were doing a parody of.
0: What I really like is that each episode... It, on some level is clearly heavily inspired by some sitcom that came before it. The first episode is clearly inspired by the Dick Van Dyke show. And yeah. this episode
1: is clearly inspired by The Witched. And the intro is just like Bewitched. They did yeah. a whole yeah. cartoon. It's awesome. The whole animation style is like almost like one hundred percent identical yeah. to like the yeah. Bewitched credits. Yeah, and this is uh, where they – I thought the ominous beats in this episode were really awesome because one of the ways that I I view Marvel and Star Wars stuff is I'm desperately waiting for the time in my life some person will be allowed to make it R-rated. That that will complete me and and send me to Nirvana when those two very popular properties are allowed to do R-rated stuff and um that scene where where dotty has the accident austin i have some great news for you D- yeah i know i know they already did it with the fucking daredevil and the punisher sure
0: no no deadpool 3 is going to be the mcu and r-rated oh jesus really yeah the next deadpool movie is an mcu movie and it will be r-rated this was
1: confirmed yep oh man I-, I wonder what a pillar of light shooting out of my chest will sound like on mike hold on a second <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. You just hear. We got we got one and, down. You just
0: hear angelic
1: singing.
2: Now, now we just need to wait for Maul a Star Wars story.
1: It's pretty creepy to interrupt the first episode with uh, uh somebody trying like choking on a pee, but just random you know blood that's in color happening in the episode. It was it felt like they were getting like like the parts of the universe that were breaking into the fabricated reality were getting scarier. And I liked that a lot it, it wasn't there was no questioning about it uh when the reality tears, it's fucking menacing and yeah. that that was that was really fun that they they were ramping it up gradually at, at how disturbing it gets when they uh well, you know when the when the glass starts to crack.
0: Hearing that voice come through the radio Wanda Wanda, who's doing this to you? Wanda and like the way the camera moves in that sequence. With the the slow, the Black Panther shot, if you will, uh, of the spitting of the camera as it zooms in on Wanda is so, like, delightfully
1: creepy. Is it me? Am I wrong? Or are the only shots, for the most part, in WandaVision with very distinctive depth of field, the ones where, you know, reality is breaking? Is that that something? Yeah,
2: For, for sure.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. It's, yeah, it's, it's all it's all that fun, flat TV lighting and then suddenly it looks like let the right one in.
2: Just out yeah, of nowhere. I, and like, I, I think they do it in such a way that even people who aren't, like, camera or film savvy will notice that something is different.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of subtle stuff that us film geeks pick up on. And uh, by the way, fun fact, speaking of film geek shit, uh, the house that Wanda and Vision live in this episode... It is the exact same house as the house of National Lampoon's Christmas Day.
2: Hell yeah.
1: <gasps> really? Oh, shit. Now we gotta go watch the 4K rip of this and see if they have a Jelly of the Month Club <laughs> note card.
0: <laughs> you gotta look real close. They accidentally left a prop in there 40 years
1: ago. Squirrel comes out of the game. Nobody's gut. picked it up. <laughs> out of the background.
2: A squirrel lived.
1: Well, that squirrel does. I, I was gonna say that, uh, that does explain why uh, in episode three the lights get really bright. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the way, let's talk about the commercial in this episode. Because uh, the thing I was saying before about how these commercials are representations of Wanda's trauma is much more apparent
1: in the second one. It's it's for a Stucker watch, right?
0: Yeah, Stucker watch. And Baron Von Strucker is the man, is the fucking Nazi, sorry, Hydra member Nazi, that um, experimented on Wanda and her twin brother Pietro and gave them their powers. But there's another little subtle, super subtle detail about the watch I want to point out. So did you guys notice what time was set to on the watch? Probably not, because you're not a stupid nerd like me. No. It was set to 2.42. The Avengers, issue number 242, from December of 1983 is an issue of the comic where Vision reappears with a new body. Interesting.
1: Oh. Oh. That's, that's super geeky, but that is kind of interesting. I'm really happy I can bring in my super dumb nerd knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I like a lot of people in America, I was hurt by Lost. So whenever a TV show has a mystery that they intend to answer, uh, this, some of the audience's questions w- about then it, it always is very uplifting. I'm, I'm happy that there are these like super nerdy details in there that you can read into because, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, it's hard to trust TV shows after Lost.
0: That's fair. I, too, have been victimized by J.J. Abrams.
1: <laughs> I think we all have. Show us on the doll where the J.J. Abrams... 20, 2019
2: was a rough year for us all.
1: It, re- it, it really was. One of the things about WandaVision that's really weird or the whole Phase 4 Disney Plus TV show rollout is just WandaVision uh, has more VFX shots in it than Avengers Endgame did, just just by, like, quantity. And there were 10 different VFX studios, uh, VFX houses, that worked on WandaVision. And one of the things I thought was funny in this episode was having to CG wire rigs on stuff. Like, make it look like it was being done with practical elements in in the shot. I I heard there was uh, some interview where someone was talking about how they had to, like, add in little CG wires to make it look like it was being done old time when they they were actually rendering CG elements sometimes. Uh, Vision got drunk.
0: Yeah, I loved how Uh, gummed up the works, quite literally. That was, (laughs) like... I loved the little animation of, like, the gum going into his body and literally (laughs) gumming up the works, like... It's a bewitched tribute and I love it. It
1: was a fun one.
0: Also, love how, like, the classic, you're a communist.
1: And that's, like, a (laughs) grave accusation. (laughs) They all just kind of go, like, silent for a second before just, like, bursting out laughing. They're
0: just like, what the fuck?
1: Did he really just. Oh.
0: (laughs) Also, uh, I want to talk about the magic show some more. Because okay. you brought up the wirework stuff, and there's a lot of uh, more Easter eggs. Y'all ready for this? Oh boy! So the trophy that Wanda and Vision received for winning the inaugural talent show. I um. So when I watch these episodes, full disclosure, I watch them with my dad. Then he leaves, and then I immediately watch them again, pausing it like every five seconds, looking for shit. I noticed something on about the trophy they were awarded. It says "World's Greatest Grandma." Which is the same thing the trophy Ant-Man, a.k.a. Scott Line, is given by his daughter in Ant-Man and the Wasp.
1: See, I only saw Ant-Man and the Wasp once, and I didn't really care for it, so I'm just, okay.
0: And this is your punishment. You miss these things. Yeah. And you are a lesser person for it. No, I mean, I, this no, changes
1: I, everything. I, I, I'm totally miss, missing out on life.
0: Well, I mean, it ties in because Jimmy Woo, who is from that movie, is in this episode as the
1: voice on the radio. I mean, think of the possibilities. Could this mean that Transformers and X Men are on the way into the MCU? <laughs> I like how you're just making fun of me. <laughs> I mean, this is a really big deal. This that could also that could also foreshadow Alf coming in an, in an oncoming episode. Hell yeah! I'm gonna. I would actually be excited if they brought them this is the Al. Part of the
0: this is just tell them this is the part of the episode where Tanner dies.
1: <laughs> it
2: was bound to happen eventually.
1: I also have the uncanny feeling that it's it's fun to talk about the first three episodes, but we're we're talking like a day after the fourth episode dropped, and there's like a gravity pulling from the fourth episode discussion later in this podcast. Like it, there's a lot of good stuff to say. We'll get to that. But we live in a post-episode 4 world now, so it's just kind of like fun nostalgia talking about these first three.
0: You ever notice how the creepiest thing in this episode was for the children? For the children! children. Yes! Yes. We haven't seen a single kid. We have not seen a single kid!
1: Yeah, where are they? They're in episode 3. Where are the children? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. Those are the only kids we see.
0: Yeah. And at the end of this episode, she becomes pregnant for the children. Oh, my God. Wait a second. Are they doing
1: witch shit to her? Is that a a witch thing? Did they just Suspiria us?
0: Who's controlling who?
1: She does have that one neighbor, that lady from the first episode who comes in and has a whole, like, four-course meal cooked, who is way more down than anyone else. And...
0: Her husband is mysteriously never seen. There's some discussion on the MCU stuff, but it's that Agnes's husband is Mephisto. And for those of you who have sex, uh, Mephisto is just the equivalent of Satan in the Marvel universe.
1: That's a theory. Mephisto would be a very interesting character to introduce to the MCU, but introducing him in Wandavision seems weird. I mean,
0: they it would make maybe this is their way to big dick swinging. Show yeah, the shows fucking matter now.
1: It's like making Kang the Conqueror the villain in an Ant Man movie. Oh fucking wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, they're doing just that. Tim, you haven't talked in a
0: while. What are your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a
2: good, good episode. Uh, it definitely started to bring more of that uh, otherworldly element into it, and like, yeah, like what Austin was saying. I think the Sitcom bits were funnier in this one than in the first one as well.
1: I, I know that something happened where uh lead actress, what's her name? Elizabeth Olsen, when they, when they resumed filming, Elizabeth Olsen had to simultaneously, after the coronavirus, they resumed filming and she had to simultaneously work on the next Doctor Strange movie, uh, The Multiverse of Madness. So, it's if you want to bet on Mephisto, whose name I can't get over, like, it's a really funny name. Comics are fun, aren't they? God, whatever poor soul in, like, the 50s or 60s or whenever Mephisto was written into being could never have predicted that that name would be funny. That poor motherfucker.
0: It's like when you read old comics and, like, comics have been around so long that you can find comics of Captain America saying to Iron Man, you just need some dick to cheer you up. <laughs> it <like, laughs> meant something completely different back then than it does now. Or,
1: uh, or, uh, it was either a 40s or a 50s Batman, uh, story called Batman's Greatest Boner. <laughs> what? <laughs> you committed a boner, Joker.
0: Well, That used to be a thing. Boner was a word. Boner meant mistake.
1: <laughs> let, let, let me pull up a quote from that. Um, because th- I don't there's... think
0: boner meant that your dick was hard until, like, the 90s. Tim would know. He was born in like '73. It's true.
1: <laughs>
2: I was born 20 years before I was born. All right, here, here, here's a good quote from that uh,
1: that Batman uh, that Batman comic. It's like, Batman, we've got to stop the Joker. Those boner crimes are making us all look bad, and I'm worried about the boner he's readying for you. <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> but overall, with this episode, I just it was funnier than the first one. It had more weird shit than the first one. It was just more of what I wanted from WandaVision.
1: Yeah, I was fully committed after watching these first two episodes the day it all came out. I was like, all right, I'm in for the long haul. I'm going to go on Facebook and talk about how miraculously WandaVision is a show I just want to watch all of. I'm completely in. Everyone was going around and talking about WandaVision. And I was super stoked that we actually had something fun to look forward to instead of whatever I thought the show was going to be before it aired.
0: Yeah, apparently I was the only one that was expecting it to be weird, I guess. I don't know. I was just excited for it the whole time. And I
2: think I expected some degree of weirdness, but at the same time, like, I'm uh, so, the the MVCU has been such a, like, mainstream thing that I kind of expected the punches to be a little more pulled.
0: Yeah, they're not really pulling their punches, which is
1: awesome. They, they said that phase four was going to be weirder than the other few. But I mean, the least that the thing I would expect, I guess, was like maybe Wanda acting out like past things from the movies in a coy way where everyone, like all the characters from the previous points in her life, are all like dressed up to look like, you know, cartoony cardboard 60s villains or something stupid. You know, something where yeah. you know what's going on the whole time. But they have an actual mystery here. Yeah. Which honestly, for me, is yeah. kind of putting it above like most MCU properties.
0: For a while there, it was the highest-rated
1: MCU property on Rotten
0: Tomatoes. It uh, has since fallen down below Black Panther, which is weird. Okay, so the king
1: has been put back on the throne, then. The king is king again. Yes. Okay. Wakanda forever. Chadwick Boseman is rolling in his oh, grave yeah. right now.
0: So let's move on to the best episode so far. Do we all agree? Episode three is the best one so far.
1: I, I, the, I, the honestly, for me, the whole. Uh, best episode thing for me is still kind of out. I don't know if I would say like, as of right now, it's the best, but that's just because I'm just kind of having a hard time like picking up on how I feel about the show. Yeah, It's
0: early. It's early. That's fair. And Austin, would you
1: think it's about the best I'm going to become the Joker. <laughs> Was this your least favorite episode so far? How did you know?
0: <laughs> oh, what a take. I like it
1: i i i uh for the other two i was having a very good time and then this one just kind of made me steadily anxious because i i have fears of becoming a dad uh i'm trying to rope it into some kind of like actual structural critique maybe it's just the subject matter that made this episode fucking terrifying for me and and not in like a fun way it was just kind of uh Austin
0: and I it have was, was scattered things. it was all over the
1: place Oh, and it did, did it do, like, an episode break? I guess it did, because there's Herb trimming into the fucking wall with his hedge trimmer.
2: Yeah, that, that too.
1: There's
0: that, there was the, there was the part where where Vision's like, I think there's something wrong here. And then suddenly it jumps back 10 seconds and I, honest to God, checked my Roku remote because I thought I, I hit the go back 10 seconds button by accident (laughs) (laughs) but then he started but then he started saying something different and i was like oh oh yeah
1: that that was a thing
0: that was cool
1: but i didn't find the moments where reality broke to be as scary as the other two episodes and i thought the whole plot of just wanda rapidly having a baby was just a lot of psychic hijinks I, I i didn't i didn't vibe with it as much as the other episodes i Austin, i was being sad throughout I, this thing i did it, it just felt lame to me
2: i i think one of the things i liked about this one I, I don't think this is what it was necessarily inspired by but it reminded me a lot of the sabrina uh sitcom from the 90s early 2000s which i i grew up watching the shit out of that show and the, the whole aesthetic of it and the style of the humor really reminded me of that in this episode. So I, I I enjoyed that aspect of it.
1: Well, they even had a fun animal that wasn't supposed to be there. Although it didn't have, like, a rough talking guy voice.
2: So it's not objectively as
1: good. Yeah, yeah. Salem is what makes those. Uh, Real quick aside, did you see The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix? I, I haven't. Yes. I saw season one. That's it. There's one episode in the final season. It's the only good episode episode of the show. It's the penultimate episode, the second to last one. And she is trapped in a meta universe where all the are uh, the two aunties from the 90s TV show are there. And uh, the the sort of horror monster is uh, I, I think it's not the void. Uh, it's The Endless, and it, it sort of traps the in-universe Sabrina from the Netflix show into the 90s Sabrina show, and it's it's the only good episode of that whole fucking show. I highly recommend just going and watching just that.
2: All right. All right. Maybe I will.
1: I, I had a hard time sitting through it when we watched uh, the first episode in comic book cinema class, so maybe. That show is bad. I didn't like it. I realized pretty quickly that it was not going to be for me watching it in that class.
0: So first episode is Dick Van Dyke inspired. Second episode to be witch inspired. This one, it's not as obvious except in the intro, but this one is clearly uh, taking some calls
1: inspiration from the Brady. Bunch. I was going to say, it's like, it, it felt very Brady like to me.
2: Yeah, I can, I can see that. Not like the, the, you can
0: kind of tell
1: when, uh, that it's very Brady inspired like right off the gate just with like the font choice that they use for the title because it
0: and of course the iconic like split screen stuff
1: yeah that was that was the moment when I could associate it with a show because I was baffled because I've never seen good times that that old show I I, I did know when they went into like the three by three grid at the end of the uh, fake intro I was like this is a Brady Bunch thing
0: so speaking of that fake intro that was an original theme song. Uh, you want to know who wrote that theme theme song? Randy Newman. No, my cu- my buddy Eric. No, in all seriousness, it was uh, written. It was written by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. They have worked with Disney before. Before they uh, first worked with Disney in 2011 for the Winnie the Pooh movie, but they're probably best known for writing "Let It Go." What? Oh. oh, those fuckers. Yeah, the people that wrote Let It Go
1: wrote the fucking theme song of a single episode of WandaVision. And Tanner just ruined the entire episode for me. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now Joe has to dislike it on principle. Man, I
2: love Kingdom Hearts 3.
1: I usually hear that they do something clever with that song in the game.
2: They they don't. They literally just redo that scene. <laughs>
1: It's just the sequence in the movie. I haven't played it, so I wouldn't know. Um, actually, because I never actually got to uh, express my thoughts as on the episode as a whole. Do you mind if I go into that?
0: No, yeah, go into that. We're going to do that.
1: Honestly, for me, this was... I, I don't want to say that this was... Actually, episode four was like the make it or break it episode for me, because this was the episode um, that kind of started to make me question where is where this is going. Because we had like three episodes, like... <sighs> solely dedicated to just paying lip service and homaging retro 50s, 60s, 70s, like sitcom with very little plot going on, honestly. I mean, there's like plots like with like this contained episodes, but not like an overall thing going on. And it was kind of starting to wear thin for me with this episode a little bit because I'm just like sitting there the entire time like, okay, you've raised the questions. You got to give us some answers at some point. And you only have eight episodes. Nine. Where is this going?
0: Nine episodes. I just found this out today.
1: Oh, nine episodes? Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it was
0: eight because both of the scenes of the Mandalorian
1: were, but no, this okay. one's fine. That that actually might help this show out is having an extra episode like that. Okay. But yeah, no, we just had like two seasons. It's like they throw in hints at something bigger, but it's all mostly just homage. I kept asking the entire time where this was going and then they dropped the big uh, reveal at the very end of it, and I had said to myself, "Okay, this is probably their biggest reveal yet." And if they do not do any sort of explaining for this in the next episode, and they just go right into the '80s, that th- that might be the moment where I just give up on the show.
2: Yeah, like the sitcom stuff worked for me, and I I, I do think the like world breaks. Worked in this one because this was when it really stepped up. I I thought this this was like the first the first episode was a faint hint at that. The second episode was pushing it a little further, and this was the one where it really went up a notch. So yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought it worked well.
1: To be clear, I don't. I, I did not think that the. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to this real quick, um, defend my opinion. It's like to be clear, I thought that it was still a very well done homage this episode to like seventy sitcoms. My, my whole thing is um, just where where it was going. Like I'm not right, trying to yeah. detract on right, uh, yeah. the homage aspect of it because I was just thinking about that as we were going along here. The uh, ending of this episode made me more excited to see the next episode than anything that happened before it. Uh, it was very much once the credits started rolling, me and my husband were just like, oh, fuck, no! And uh, that was that was probably the highlight of it, just how much I wanted to see episode four immediately after episode three ended. Although, I, I, I have really mixed feelings about them, just kind of, uh, it may be a red herring or it may not, uh, just revealing that Wanda is causing all of this and it's kind of a malevolent thing that she might be doing because it's it's pretty obvious at the end of episode three uh when she's getting all crazy about uh Geraldine mentioning mentioning Pietro that this is now you know this is wanda's show when
0: Geraldine mentioned Martha and she went <laughs> where
1: were the other drugs going? <laughs> <Where'd them be? laughs> I'm not wearing hockey <laughs> I hope that they add another villain that's doing something bigger than just, like, what what Wanda's doing. Because that... that, I don't know. I I guess all the walls fell down, and now... That would be a red area. Yeah, now you know what's going on. It's Wanda fucking trapping everybody inside a bubble so that she can, I don't know, uh, have kids and a family and get married to Vision. And she, she kicks out Geraldine, even though Geraldine helped deliver her babies... I I I I don't know. I was excited to see what episode four was going to bring.
0: Each time, each episode we talk about it, it feels like shorter than the last because they all, I, I they're all sort of the same. Really, the only interesting thing to bring up in this episode is
1: the babies. The babies. Oh, the doctor has a uh, the doctor has a dark city happen to him. I can't get out of the city. Believe me, I've tried. So he's trying to go to Bermuda. And then he he sadly tells Vision what, what, after the babies are born that there's really no escaping the town. His vacation was never meant to be.
0: Yeah, uh, that felt that felt very Truman Showy when he's like, leaving these small towns aren't. Enough. What
1: what what bad timing for my car to break down right before we're finally supposed to leave?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a funny bit, but what's really interesting was how intimidating Wanda was at the very end
1: what did you say about Pietro
0: like Elizabeth Olsen god damn, what a fantastic actress because she is yeah she so terrifying honestly in that scene yeah
1: she's uh she's proven that she's actually like really capable of handling just like multiple like different emotions and just like switching them off and off on a dime yeah cuz when she goes from like this perky happy like sitcom character and then just somebody mentions one of the biggest disappointments of a villain for the MCU she's just like what? you're all just puppets tangled in <laughs> oh shit i just shit my pants <laughs> that, that's what one was what the
0: fuck, what the fuck? That, but that's Ultron's character in that movie it's like oh this is going to be all oh,
1: ruined <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah, just the second that Ultron's mentioned, just that quirky uh, lead actress in a sitcom goes from, I think you should go, because I'm about to fucking murder your ass. Or, in this case, Get her ass. send her flying through, like, six fucking walls and through an invisible Wait, wait like, I'm gonna murder you, wolf.
0: or worse, kick you out. That's big, uh... If we do this, we're gonna be murdered. Or oh, worse, expelled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen really needs to sort out her priorities. So,
0: yeah, just the ending. And what I thought was especially creepy was when Elizabeth Olsen sort of slips, or Wanda slips back into her sokovian accent a little bit while she's singing that nursery rhyme, and this really creepy music starts. Yeah, yeah. Which it's another one of those sort of Lynchian moments. I thought.
1: Mm. I could. See, I could see that. Which. Um, you, you had mentioned this. Can, can, can we actually bring this uh, little tidbit up about uh, Elizabeth Olsen throughout this and how she doesn't have the Sokovian accent throughout, I want to say, yeah. 99% of the show, other than like those small little moments in episode three? Whenever the reality
0: breaks, I think she gets the accent back. Like When she says no at the end of episode two, it's, it's, a, it's a super short word, so I can't say this definitively, but I think that was in the accent.
1: Yeah, if you look at the subtitles, there's actually a little wavy thing above the O in no. So so yeah, she said it with an accent. Are you fucking with me? You <laughs> son of a bitch.
0: Or more more accurately, in the first episode where she's like, vision help him.
1: Yeah. That shit was so cool when that happened because yeah, the tone of her voice completely changed. It was kind of shocking. it it was like they were back in the room all
0: the reality break moments it's like ooh, i love
1: it. it it had urgency that that doesn't pop up in the sitcom
0: episode three again overall it's there's not a lot to say about this one i don't think because a lot of it we just covered in the first two episodes about the general sitcom style is there anything else anyone wants to say
1: I think if Cronenberg wanted to do a movie about someone who gets pregnant, just a normal couple, and they have the baby in 12 hours, I, I think it would be pretty good.
0: I would agree. It'd be my uh, favorite Cronenberg movie. Uh, Videodrome sucks.
1: Your favorite Cronenberg movie is Crash. Everyone's favorite Cronenberg movie is Crash.
0: <laughs> no. Puts in the my favorite movie Cronenberg instead. movie is uh, <laughs> uh uh, fuck! I don't want to say. Uh, it's a history of violence. There, maps to
1: the stars.
0: <laughs> but no, my favorite Cronenberg movie is uh, A History of Violence.
1: Oh, that's a really good one. That's a good pick. Yeah. The, the last movie that got a VHS tape. Nice. I. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it was the last movie that got like an official VHS release. What? A, uh, so now, uh, do can we can we shift to the uh, the thing?
0: But yeah, episode four, this is the entirely not sitcom episode, and I really liked it. It's my least favorite episode of the show so far, I think, only because I really like the sitcom stuff, but I still really, really enjoyed this one. Hell, I might like it more than episode one, I don't know.
1: For me, it's the episode that's going to keep me, cont- like, actually watching the show. It'll actually keep me tuned Oh,
0: thank in. God, you have a good opinion.
1: Yes, um... Because, like, like I said, it's th- those first three episodes, a lot of it's just sitcom homage, not, not really a whole ton of plot. You don't really know where it's going. If they had done another one, I probably would have tuned out. In this particular episode, they actually, like, stop what they're doing for a second and say, Okay, here's kind of what's going on. We're still not going to give you, like, the full thing, because we've still got another couple of episodes to get through. But here's who this character we are pulling the
0: curtain back a little
1: yes we're slowly like getting answers and we're actually developing like an actual plot slash conflict um and it's really keeping me interested because yeah it like just this having this shift like really began to pique my interest I uh I I think that this was like it, if they do the structure that I have in my head this was like a master stroke. I had a lot of fun watching this episode. I figure like three episodes of sitcom and one of these or maybe two episodes of sitcoms then one of these like I figure out some Me kind of structure where off. we alternate between episodes that take place in the real world in real time and then the fake WandaVision sitcom. It's Fucking brilliant! Whoever came up with this deserves a medal and a Sunday, and I'm so proud of them. This was a blast.
2: Yeah, I mean, episode four. Uh, it, it it seemed like, based on what I was hearing in the group chat, it seemed like it was very, it was more divisive. I I was fine with it. It wasn't something that I was especially crazy about. Like, I, I think that it was one of the weaker episodes, but I think it was also a necessary episode. Like, the the episodes even call, like, uh, we interrupt this program or whatever. Uh, and I, I think it does work good as a break in the middle of what we've been watching. And, yeah, it just kind of helps to contextualize everything i guess but like i i remember i was watching it last night and it was it felt very it felt weirdly shorter than the other episodes even though i don't think it was well, like as soon as the credits started rolling i thought it was a meta thing and then i looked and saw oh no there's just 6 minutes left of the
1: episode that went by fast that that actually makes sense because as much as everybody loves sitcoms post Seinfeld, uh, that kind of entertainment does, it's, it's not like modern entertainment. There have been a lot of advances in TV that make that shit play kind of slow. And we like, I think episode four is styled like a modern movie, which kind of, uh, helps it. The pacing feel accelerated.
2: Yeah.
0: It's also just like an outsider perspective on a bunch of events that we've already seen before. So I think that helps make it go along quicker. Cause it's not exactly new.
1: I, I I will say this: if uh, if the next episode is both sitcom slash real world stuff, I'm not going to be a fan of that because that's just I don't know. There's something about how they've structured all of this that really works in its favor. So to just have like one episode like jumping back and forth between those two, I don't know. Th- th- there's just something about that that just sounds wrong. For lack of a better Kat word. Dennings
0: is in every episode
1: that's left. I oh, know. yes! Yes, so, yes!
0: Temper yes. your expectations on some level. Cat Dennings' first appearance since Thor The Dark World.
1: Yeah. I was so happy to see her back. Which, kinda cool. I was gonna say, because I actually liked Kat Dennings in those movies, for the most part. The, the, they kind of did her a disservice in Thor too. They gave her a little bit uh, too much cringy human. Uh, they didn't in give her thor shit 2? to do except
0: like fuck an intern i guess
1: well they, they didn't give anyone shit to do in thor 2 from what i've heard cuz i guess no nope. they gave a shit to watch am i right
0: fellas <laughs> hey. Like, hey i'll
1: do de- hey i'll defend thor 2 but even i could admit that it's flawed Oh, me too
0: it's it's uh it's my least favorite mcu movie i still like it I'd, i i'll still watch it on the rewatch yeah but it's my least favorite that's fair. At least it doesn't have that many Dutch angles.
1: <laughs> it's wholesome seeing members of the Thor one gang because of how far Marvel has progressed. That when you see somebody from like the, the crew from Thor one, it, it's like, oh, I remember those people. I'm friends with these people. It's, it's, yo, that's, it's, it's still in you know, Skarsgård. I was kind of upset to see. Uh, what was it? Monica Rambeau. Uh, she's no longer eight years old. I was very confused. How'd that happen? Yeah. Did you know, what, well, when we used to know her, she was this tall.
0: So what happened was, there was a sitcom, there was a sitcom called Friends, alright? You following? I'm following. Where's this going? Alright, so Friends happened, and time started progressing for the first time. Before this, we were perpetually stuck in 1993. According to the timeline, I'm pretty sure this takes place like 30 years after Captain Marvel.
1: Well, it's cool because uh, Jack Schaefer, the lady running this thing, the one who created it, she co-wrote Captain Marvel. So she was on the team that sort of created the Rambo family for this current iteration of the MCU, the cinematic one. And so now she's dragging the Rambo family back into shit that she's writing for. And uh, it, it was cool. Um, I, I, I didn't, I thought it was kind of silly that she's watching the, uh, what's it called when they all come back from the snap? Is there like a nine eleven name for that? The blip. It's called the, the blip. great return. She, she's watching the blip
0: or is the original snap called the blip? I can't remember the deep Yeah.
1: She's watching the deep blippening and And, uh, she's like, I, I thought this was explained in far from home. What did they say? Yeah, that's true. I think they have a phrase for it, but I can't remember. I I only saw far from home once and I didn't like it so of course I'm not going to remember. Oh man. I I thought far from home was okay. I liked it a lot actually. I wasn't a fan but that's just me.
0: He hates the new Spider-Man.
1: Let me let me, let me put the record, let me put this on the record and this will just be like a short thing. I do not hate Tom Holland. Cuz people seem to Oh no, I'm talking like, about I, you mistaken. don't like those movies. <laughs> yeah I don't like those movies, but when i when I tell people that people just assume that I hate Tom Holland and I'm just like why I, I don't hate Tom Holland he's a good actor. I just don't like what he's given. Joe, I heard that whenever you think somebody looks a little adolescent for their their age, you call them Tom Holland i, I <laughs> you were introduced to a friend and of mine That's true, he does do that, yeah, you were introduced to my friend Babyface James at a party, and he said you wouldn't stop calling him Tom Holland. <laughs> I heard that you watched The Devil all the time and were surprised it wasn't a children's film.
0: Oh, God, the idea of a child watching that.
1: I, I've i actually not seen it, so. Uh, Jimmy Woo. No, Randall Park. W- what about Randall Park? And he was Amazing. Eh. He was okay. Kim, Kim Jong-un was in this. Oh, I forgot that. Hmm. You're both objectively oh, <laughs>
0: wrong. <laughs> yeah, because he You're was both in... Uh... objectively wrong. He was the best part of the episode.
1: Well, eh. I, maybe if you, like, had firework playing in the background every time he was on, I'd like it a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably the same here.
0: I would let Randall Park buttfuck. Me. I mean, Other
1: than that, I'm just like, right, he's Randall Park was a tour de force in the interview, but they didn't give him much to do right here.
0: As a Ant-Man and the Wasp of the Defender, I love this. He really yabba-dabba-doobie there.
1: Man, imagine hitching your wagon to that fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, North Korea. I can imagine some ways that the show could go where episode four wasn't, like, the ending note. Like, it didn't destroy everything. There could be other people who are making this happen. There could be other malevolent parties who have trapped Wanda. It might not just be her. I don't think that this is like giving anything, everything away. I think next week we'll have, you know, more mysteries and and shit to ponder on. I, I do kind of get the complaint that like Dead Vision did kind of like seal the deal that you could create an impression in your mind that this is just 100% Wanda is forcing everyone to live inside this bubble because she gets to reanimate her boyfriend, and uh, that's it. But I I don't know, it didn't completely kill the show for me.
0: Well, for me, I interpreted, well, first off, I want to say, that moment actually scared me. Like, when it cut and it was his dead body, I was like, oh, I I jumped, I jumped, I was like, oh! Oh, dead vision? Like, like, that's uh, called doing a jump scare well, when it's a largely visual one instead of just loud noise was not expecting an example of a good jump scare from WandaVision, but here we are. I interpreted that moment to be more Wanda just went through a very emotionally vulnerable moment and she had a flashback to the most traumatizing thing to have happened to her. I didn't interpret that as this is definitively Vision's corpse being reanimated.
1: Yeah, that could be it. She was having a memory of her dead husband instead of that just being dead Vision that she's puppeteering. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to like actually like imagine like that actually being her puppeteering just like a dead corpse just throughout this like whole thing it's just yeah he has too much free will just kind of like manipulating this like dead body to do whatever she wants this whole thing is weekend at wanda's
0: yeah fourth episode Uh, overall i really liked it uh there was so much oh i loved kat dennings in the episode too it was really nice to see her be given a chance
1: again yeah, she she's given a lot of good material to work with, and she's actually, like, helping progress the plot along as well.
0: I loved how she, like, was like, why do they keep changing decades? It can't just be for my enjoyment, can it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like yes. That, that felt like a really meta line. That was like a wink of the night at the fan base and, like, us asking the same question.
1: Another cool thing the episode did was it showed us what the broadcast looked like for people who would be tuning into the background radiation, the parts that we know are in it that got cut out. It was it was kind of haunting and cool.
0: Like, it was really cool to know, like, wait, there's more sitcom
1: episodes? Yeah, yeah, when it does a, a random jump cut as well, like like when Dottie breaks the glass, it doesn't show any of that shit, it just cuts. Or when... Um, yeah, that was awesome! When or my, at the very when end, uh, when uh, the big thing happens with, uh, y- yeah, Geraldine. And it just cuts to Wanda and Vision on the couch, and then later in the episode, we get to see that play out in the show universe. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like in the in the same a- aspect ratio as uh as like the real world stuff is. It's it doesn't go back to like the sitcom one. Some sometimes I feel like this. It's interesting for Marvel TV because this is a relatively new invention, but it's weird that they can play episodes out. On a Disney Plus show that feel like it it they fit. They were they were pulled out pulled out of a theatrical release. That's one thing WandaVision does really well in this episode is I feel like I'm watching a Marvel movie. The aspect ratio, the amount of money they throw into it, the fact they can get all the big-named actors to come back. I mean, Kat Dennings had to stop filming two broke girls to come do this. <laughs> <laughs> How could they afford her? <laughs> It was a good episode. I I personally hope we get the next episode to just be an episode of the sitcom. There were a couple things I signed up for mentally when I came to this show, and two of them were 80s and 90s sitcoms. I want to see them tackle the 80s and 90s. They can't just stop after the 70s. That That would make me upset.
0: Objectively speaking, they have to do the 90s. Oh, because yes. I oh. guarantee you, the 90s sitcom they're going to lampoon
1: has to be Full House. Yes, yes. yes. The, with Elizabeth Olsen making meta nods at the camera.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen was on
1: Full House. Uh, Michelle Rides Again was the episode that she was on. Part oh, two is that the episode where
0: Michelle gets amnesia? Oh, damn. Oh, that is the episode where uh, Michelle gets amnesia. For reference, I own all of Full House on
1: DVD. It was one of her first acting credits and then she doesn't act again for like 10 years or so because
0: yeah because she was like 10 when she did that
1: yeah and then the first thing that she does is like silent house and uh martha marcy may marlene whatever the the weird fucking type She actually just like three movies in 2011 actually so yeah i'm excited for the uh intro to the 90s episode where it's like Everywhere you look, your boyfriend is dead. Thanos um, fucking
0: killed him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere
1: you look, your brother's also dead. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I I'm really suspicious they're gonna start doing is that they're gonna try to do an 80s episode and like 90s shit is gonna break into it and like 2000 sitcom shit is gonna break into it like it's gonna start falling around like falling apart all around them and the the genres are gonna start mixing together like the different decades I I really think they're gonna pull that shit I I think that'd be cool Yeah it has the possibility to be cool Yeah um. It, it it just depends on when they decide to do it. Because, yeah, you, you can't blow your wad on something like that too quick. They do the 80s, the 90s episode, then they get to, like, the early 2000s, and it just, like, starts blending in with, like, all of these, like, other decades. So it's like you get, like, the 2010s blended in with, like, the early 2000s. It just turns into a, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Just shit's falling apart. Pre- previously on WandaVision's version of the OC, and then it cuts to, like, the I don't know, Jersey Shore or something. <laughs>
0: the OC? I want to see Modern Family.
1: <laughs> I, on the Wikipedia page, you can see that they did um, take, like, from sitcoms, like uh, The Office and 30 Rock. So there's going to be an episode of this, I think, where they're shooting it with Is those Elizabeth cameras.
0: Olsen gonna gym the camera?
1: Yeah, like, people spiking the lens and the fucking Zoom rockers and stuff. And stuff. <laughs> That's gonna be that's gonna be wild. I, I have high hopes for this. I'm I'm happy that Marvel didn't make a corny piece of bullshit. High hopes. I, I'm happy they, they made like a very expensive kind of experimental mystery thing. So far I'm very stoked about this. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah, it could be interesting. It's it's cool to know what a TV show that where you spend twenty five million dollars an episode on it looks like.
0: Especially twenty minutes. It's twenty minutes long and it's like twenty-five minutes an episode
1: they're spending like over a million dollars a limit. Ah. Uh, yeah, when the fir- when the first episode came out, I couldn't figure out where the fucking money went. Though I've heard the later episodes are like an hour long. Yeah, it it's like that Terminator Oh fuck yeah. I I it reminds me of that Terminator 2 ride. You know at Universal Studios? It was like the most expensive thing per minute for a long time.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Like the- yeah. Yeah, I I I could see that as a, a pretty decent comparison how much did they put into that thing? Jesus Christ! I I think you could separate it by like like into two different categories with Netflix and Disney being the key players. Netflix is where auteurs go to really like flex nuts and make movies they couldn't make anywhere else, like The Irishman. N- you needed Netflix to pay for that, and then on Disney. You don't make these films that are really about, like, a singular person. Uh, It's more about the IPs themselves. And those are the films that are, like, flexing nuts based on completely just, like, how expensive they are. Like, I I don't even like talking about Star Wars. But, like, The Mandalorian's cool because when you watch it, any episode you choose is going to cost, like, more than most Blumhouse movies. So I kind of like that when you tune in for a Disney show, it's just really somebody with, like throwing a bunch of money into that wood chipper from Fargo. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. I think the cast is doing great so far. It's fun to get to see Paul Bettany do this, because I thought Vision was bullshit in the movies. I did not care about that character. Which, the, the, the big thing, the big takeaway for me for, like, this whole show is that I'm actually starting to give a shit about Scarlet Witch and Vision. Because... Watching those movies, I could not give a single fucking shit about either Wanda or Vision or their relationship for that matter. Right, right. I, I, I felt like something like WandaVision needed to happen sometime like in between like Age of Ultron and I don't know, maybe even Civil War for that matter. The MCU had a bunch of bullshit relationships. I did not give a fuck about Black Widow and the Hulk. I didn't give a fuck about most of Black Widow's relationships because she was, like, fucking, like, half the group. Jesus Christ. I'm a monster because I'm infertile. (laughs) It was so weird. They would have these, like, members of the Avengers try to hook up, and I could not give a shit about it. And it's cool that in the TV shows they can take these characters. I really did not give a fuck about like the Falcon and like vision. And oh, I, I never give a fuck about Scarlet Witch. Stop with the Falcon slander. Oh, sorry.
0: Did I, did I do something? How dare you slander Falcon in my house?
1: I, I, I actually like Falcon in the MCU, but that's kind of a different story. It, his coolest scene was when he fought Ant-Man. I, I could not give a shit about a lot of the characters, and I was really worried that these Disney Plus shows were not going to be able to write them as full-bodied, complicated characters that I would enjoy watching. And so far, it's it's succeeding. It I Tuesday. never gave a fuck about Scarlet Witch, except for when she looked at Thanos and was like, you took everything from me. I was like, oh, cool, that's the payoff, I guess. I don't even know who you are. Yeah, no, nobody knows who she is, because they didn't develop her. <laughs>
0: before oh that is one of the most iconic monologues in bad movie history
1: because it's actually a good one thanos pulled and it was a tuesday on on wanda but uh it's cool because elizabeth olsen is a good actor and so is paul bettany and and so this this seems like the perfect thing just give them a whole series that costs as much as like a fucking movie to produce and so far they're killing it and all their co-stars are doing doing really good, too. Uh, I, I don't know that they have, like, terribly much to do besides act like some Stepford Wives bullshit is going on, but every everything cohesively is coming together to form a thing that is a really, really strong way to usher in Phase 4. Do you two hope it gets weirder? Because this is pretty weird. Yeah. It's, it's Disney doing yes. too many cooks. You, do you want it to get even weirder as the properties come out? Yes.
0: I, I want to see penises. I, I want to see floating penises, I want to see penises fighting other penises.
1: Tanner, I swear to God, got penis on my mind. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for them to reveal the stop motion series about Stalin Skarsgård, naked Skullin, Stalin Stalin Skarsgård. <laughs> it's it, it would be cool because um there was that announcement when Multiverse of Madness was first being talked about um that it was going to be the first horror movie in the MCU. Which I still think is probably going to be bullshit, but that's just I don't know.
0: Here's me. I don't think... Sam Raimi doesn't need the MCU. He does not need it.
1: He really does not. He does... (laughs) He just is his own thing. Sam Raimi doesn't need anybody. So that's why I'm optimistic for it to be weird. It's. I I want them to release Multiverse of Madness with no rating. I want it to be a midnight movie that only premieres at drive-in theaters, and then I'll be on board. (laughs) Uh, As much as I can dream.
0: Hey, Austin, you may get your wish about the only in drive-in theaters part if things keep going how they're going. Um, But yeah, uh, does anyone else have anything to say about Wandavision?
1: I don't have much else to add to it, other than I just hope that they get weirder, take more risks, and. Show more dong. Yes, Tanner, more dong. But yeah, no, I, I just kind of hope to see where it's going. And I hope it leads to something good because if it doesn't, <sighs> yeah, that, that's just going to hurt.
0: Damn, that would suck. Austin, do you have anything left?
1: I, I think it was uh, somebody in the group chat last night said that uh, they turned a mystery, a slow burn mystery into an action property with episode four. And as long as that turns out to not be true, this will have been a success. If it remains a mystery property until around the last episode, like
0: that was Devin Patrick Dillon. <laughs>
1: Just dropping the name, just like, oh, it's just somebody in the chat. Nope, it's Devin. If they don't go full action from here, then I'll be very pleased. And uh, if they do go full action from here, well, uh, it was fun while it lasted. It was nice. I I can agree. It, I, I don't want them to go full action just yet. If if at all, honestly.
0: I'd be okay with them eventually going full action, only because I think they'll need to in order to resolve it. Um, But hold off on it for at least three episodes.
1: I'm excited for the last episode, when Wanda possesses all the people in the town and turns them into disposable CGI monsters to throw at some Avengers that try to come rescue Vision's corpse or whatever they're going to do.
0: And then it becomes a Power Rangers episode.
1: And they just recreate scenes Power from Ultron. Oh, God. It, okay, so you turned what is like a very generic MCU ending, and then you made it interesting, Tanner. Good job. <laughs> <I'm gonna> pre- <laughs> the, that's when the Power Rangers come in. They, they, they just turn it into a full-on Power Rangers homage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that'd be amazing.
0: Anyway, yep, uh, I more or less agree. I want them to hold off on action until the last two episodes. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you for listening to this uh, first iteration of the uh, Bomb Squad podcast. Hope you're here for the next one we do on WandaVision. Thank you for listening, and have a great day, night, or evening.
2: And and, and in my sign-off, I, I will say these words.
0: All right, I'm going to head out. Goodbye. Peace.